Hey everybody, Stevie Taylor here. Welcome to episode 45 of the Gig Life Podcast. So nice to have you here. Hope you can stay a while. Yep, really grateful that you've uh, come to check out the Gig Life Podcast. It's, um, it's not the same when you're not here. This week I launched the brand new website for the Gig Life Podcast and you can go check that out at www.thegiglifepodcast.com. All the episodes are there, all the subscribe links and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a contact page, there's some photos and videos on there, there's uh, the Instagram feeds on there and all the other social links and that sort of stuff. Um, sort of the one-stop shop type thing, but when I say shop, it's all free. Um, you don't have to pay for anything. That's how it's always been and that's how it's always going to be. So please go check it out, um, let me know what you think. So this episode is the next chapter in the Gig Life Podcast Roundtable Series, and this time it's the bass player's turn. My guests are six of Australia's leading bass players, Victor Rounds, Mark Costa, Domino Martinez, Adam Ventura, Bobby Poulton, and Christian Attard, who is actually in LA, and he uh, he Skyped in from his drive home from a gig. If you haven't heard of these cats, there's some info on them in the show notes and, and also on the website. Adam, Victor, Mark, and Domino have all been on the Gig Life podcast before, so Go back and check out their episodes. Lots of cool stuff there, so go check it out. So during this roundtable chat, we talked about a range of topics, worst backline equipment, cornerstone albums, band leaders, what makes a good drummer, bass versus keyboardist left hand, um, a bunch of other stuff. It was extremely enjoyable afternoon hanging with these cats at my house. Loads of laughs, as well as some really serious conversation. Now... When I sat down to edit this recording, I was devastated to find that the first 30-minute file of the recording was corrupted and damaged. Um, I tried everything to get it restored and, and um, get the data pulled off the file, but nah, sorry, didn't happen. It's pretty heartbreaking stuff. But anyways, on we roll. So this episode is part one of two, and it features Victor, Mark, Bobby, Adam and Domino, due to the lost first 30 minutes, what you don't get to hear is the guys talking about their current gigs, um, the music they're listening to, worst backline equipment and that sort of thing. So we come in with Victor Rounds um, discussing his Cornerstone albums and we sort of roll on from there. So hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, part one of the Gig Life Podcast, Bass Players Roundtable. Cheers. So when I was about 10 or 11, I started just listening to bass in general, you know, with transistor radios and all this. Mm. 
And then I heard Stevie Wonder's Sign Seal Delivered. You could buy it on a single. So I went out and bought it and I played it and the bass line on that just knocked me, just knocked me. It was like, what the F is this, you know? It's just syncopated grooves going everywhere. I wasn't, I, by that stage, I wasn't familiar with uh, music theory. It was all ears. I'm hearing where he was going and he's going to the four chord and the five chord and all mm. of it. It was just what he was doing is to that get ja- there. Is that Jameson? Jameson, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, being my cornerstone, yeah. not album, but record, you know. Right. And <clears throat> as simple as the chord changes were, it's just what he was doing around it. Mm. He He was like... For me, he was making fun of you, like, you know, see what I'm doing here, man, while everyone's just playing the changes, you know, and he's just like free reign, and I'm thinking, what the hell? And then from then on, I just discovered that he was the bass player on most of the Motown records, which I went out and bought. So that went on for quite a few, uh, almost like a decade, and then things happened after that, you know, then Stanley came on the scene as such and then Jacko arrived and that was just another another level. And so, you know, like all of us, we all agree, we all started, studied uh, Jacko's work as such and the thing is we just, I just wanted to get into his head and just see what he was thinking at the time, you know. But in the very beginning it was Jameson for me. Yeah, just uh, even up to today, I mean, with all respects to everybody that's, come after him, even in Jacko's play, you can still hear some Jameson in there. Absolutely. It's a heavy influence, especially when he does um, um, Come On, Come Over or, mm. or some of those other classic ones. It's just Jameson, you know, mm. with his own input. Mm. But, um, yeah, hats off to James Jameson yeah. for me. Mm. I, uh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> um started on my father's guitar and I, my, I think he recognised that my right hand was a bass player. That, that was the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing uh, but my right hand was the bass player hand and he recognised that I was a bass player and he said it, that I was a bass player. So I guess that's that um, in my consciousness I, I was aware that I was a bass player. <laughs> um, and uh, a very famous band came from Argentina and uh, they were called Soda Estéreo and I recall I was mesmerised by the bass player because he was cool you know he played his bass and he was you know a right angle on the played like that so he was cool you know I looked down and that's that's really cool and uh, and my father obviously had you know the jazz fusion stuff and that all started making sense all that music I mean, I don't think he was the first bass player. I think he was. He was. I think it was all even because Stanley Clark, uh, Ralph Armstrong. Ralph Armstrong made a really, really big impact in me because um, he played with John Luc Ponty in Mahavishnu Orchestra, and I I play like him. I must admit, I really do. When it comes to, um, um, let's say, playing. A disco thing, or even uh, a gospely thing. It's a lot of him that's in me, because I grew up listening to that. And there's a live album of um, Jean Luc Ponty. It's, um, it's called it's called Jean Luc Ponty Live, and he plays his ass off on that. Mm-hmm. And he was like 17 or 18 or something like that, young, young. 
He's a young, young guy. And I think he did that, those recorders with Mahavishnu Orchestra at that age. So uh, I grew up with that and Stanley Clark. Um, Stanley Clark was a big influence. Uh, I have Stanley Clark's attack on my right hand. Um, I sometimes when I I feel like attacking, I feel like hearing. That's I go there sometimes. Uh, and uh, later, Marcus Miller. I learned about precision with him, pre- pre- precise slapping. That that kind of very, uh, you know, very hitting the note precisely. You know, that that, that was. And I used to practice that, and Miles Davis, you know. So that that was the, that was the stuff that I really, really uh, dug, and I didn't get into Jacob Pastorius too much, 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 much later, nineties, uh, uh, even mid nineties, I would say. Mid nineties was when I heard Jacko, and I went, "Oh fuck, that's amazing." I guess I'm the first one to swear. <laughs> no, no, I, no, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be the last time either. <laughs> the interviewer. <laughs> so, yeah. But Jack, that was mesmerising and hearing the, the, the duet, you know, the, the Don Ali duet. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. That thing's incredible. You know, that, you know, the swing the, and uh, the way... Who's playing tumbas on that? Don Elias. Don Elias. Oh, yeah. No wonder. Yeah, so, wow. You know, yeah, all that, I mean, mesmerising. But I have I have a thing between Jacko and Ralph Armstrong, man. Both of them to me were amazing. But Ralph did something else to me. Ralph hit me in, in, in uh, he, see, Jacko had this melodic thing, which was beautiful. Ralph Armstrong had this, groove thing he hit me with his notes his, his attack on the notes and he had a different thing um, yeah so it's all that music right mm. and then the when I heard Afro-Cuba music that kind of knocks you out because it's 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 how magical how the magic on how to play a root and a fifth and good luck if you know how to put a third in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it's uh, and and if you if you're gonna get wilder, yeah, add a seventh. Good luck to that. Uh, but it, yeah, those 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 that kind of bass playing it really it it really is mesmerized Adam. I know that's for sure. And and everyone, I mean, we all we all got you know attacked by that. You know. Uh, very inspiring music, you know, simple. And also this simple, simple bass playing, mm. which is not simple, it's reggae music, you know. That, that, that music is so deep to play, you know, and it's so satisfying as a bass player because there's nobody else bothering you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass the mic over to Maestro here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cornerstone album. Okay. Well, like Adam, my father was a musician. My, my dad was a drummer. And um, I've got young parents. My mother had me when she was quite young, 15. So um, I remember, like, um, being at school and, um, you know, doing my homework and my dad would, would be playing albums and he'd be playing, like, the first Brecker Brothers album and Herbie Hancock, Thrust. And, um, Who was the bass player on that first Brecker Brothers album? 
Will Lee. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And but I didn't know who, who Will Lee was. I just heard this music while I'm doing my mathematics or social science homework or whatever. Um, so that music was all around me. But the the, the Cornerstone album, and even the Jarko album and uh, Stanley Clark's debut album. But the music that really kind of moved me. I went to a party uh, when I was at school, and they were playing Earth, Wind, and Fire's All in All album. That was like, that was the music that was playing because that's the pop music of the day. I'm talking like mid-70s. And I remember listening to that album and I just felt every hair on my body just on end and just felt this kind of big emotional tornado (laughs) just kind of hit me when I was just kind of like going, wow, this is the first time, well, I didn't really know what was going on, but I really felt the, 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 the magic and the pull of music, the emotional power of music by listening to that album because there was everything about it, the melodies, the singing, the playing. The, I didn't even know about production, but I think that was kind of part of it as well. Mm. But that really kind of moved me, it shook me to my core, you know, and um, that, that, that album and then their following album, I Am, you know, Boogie Wonderland and all those, those two albums to me were just like, I, I, I don't even play like that, but that sort of like set up this whole kind of, you know, I think this. You, you guys are probably going to laugh at this, but one of my my lifelong dreams was to play in a black band, a black funk band. You know, look at me, a guy from Borkenham Hills, bald, middle-aged guy. But I, I, that was something that I always wanted to do. And, and Earth, Wind, and Fire, kind of. You know, if I if I played in a band like that, I would have could have died and gone to heaven. You know. Did you play in an Earth and Wind, Earth, Wind and Fire tribute band? No. <laughs> oh, no. No, it had to be the real thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, but, and I think that that kind of, um, yeah, that was certainly my cornerstone album, you know. And then all that other stuff, you know, as I was learning the bass, the, you know, the Jarko thing um, and, the, you know, um, you know, there's always the, the Jarko versus Stanley thing, you know, they were the two, you know, and I definitely was in the Jarko camp. You know, I just loved his phrasing and, and, you know, the whole fretless sound and all that sort of stuff. Um, Jameson, I, I kind of checked out. I didn't even know who it was, but, I, you know, when that book Standing in the Shadows of Motown came out, I was, like, checking it out like everyone else. And then that's when I started a real deep appreciation for him. And, and I also came to that um, Donny Hathaway album later on, but that kind of, you know, that was um, pivotal as well, like checking out all that stuff. Actually, Adam talked about the 70s before. To me, that's still the pinnacle, you know. Yeah, that, that, that just, you know what I mean. All that stuff was, you know. I remember in the seventies, like I mean, hearing Lewis Johnson on the radio, Strawberry yeah. Letter Twenty Three, and I didn't know Stop. what the hell was going. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what the hell he was. I saw the film clip and he was hitting the bass with his thumb, and I'm going, you know. Actually, another big bass player for me from the seventies was George McArdle from Little River Band. You, you know, yeah. he was the one that played on, you know, the big hits, mm. um, mate. But he, what a killer bass player that guy was. He's, a, he's just he amazing. Lo- uh, Lonesome Loser? No, that's Clive Harrison. That's Clive Harrison. Yeah, George had left by that stage. Okay. But um, I've got some kind of bootleg recordings of George um, in the States. And, man, you want to check out good bass playing. <laughs> man, Fender Precision, left-handed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just unbelievable playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all that stuff kind of came later on when I became professional and you're checking out everything and, Blah blah blah, but definitely Earth Wind and Fire was the one for me. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so what do you guys look for in a drummer? 
This is this is a big one, and and. You better switch the microphone off. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be dropping names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, what's a drummer? <laughs> I, I put a call out for questions, and I would have to say eighty percent of the questions came back was asking one: Who is your favourite Australian drummer, and what do you look for in a drummer? So that's I think hard, that, that's. Mm. That's, that's you know you have to answer it, eh? Well, that's like you're convicting yourself already. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're up for yeah. manslaughter. Yeah. From so you don't, say, you don't have to say names because like... I can, I can word it to you and they can't hear it. No, <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. Just joking. Adam, you'll start. Oh, well, okay. Um, look, there seems to be a bit of a... A split for me between uh, drummers that are have a much more of an emphasis on their technical proficiency and their hands, and drummers that play songs. You got drummers that play have amazing chops that play songs, and you got guys with monster chops that that play songs well as well. So like, there's a spectrum there. But for me, I feel like. I love how I love composition. I love how songs build, and then how you build your playing within a song across a composition sort of thing. And, and you, just, you just want a drummer to kind of do that with you, essentially. I mean, there's all the obvious stuff like solid time, solid time feel, like a like a like a, a beautiful groove, you know. And you know, I'm very lucky to play with a lot of amazing drummers in Sydney and, and from around Australia. Um, like they guys that I, I genuinely am overjoyed to play with but uh you know and then you get on get your old gig and you're like oh wow yeah right uh, and I realize again how lucky I am because someone's sort of like waiting for their monster fill or their right. or their sort of that or their rhythms kind of sloppy and they drag or they speed up really badly or you know like you kind of go wow you know it's something that Sort of, I've I've started taking for granted until that one gig every now and again. I end up on one with a stranger, and you just want it to be solid, like solid time, beautiful groove. Play the songs. I don't give a shit how how many chops you got. If you're doing those three things, then you you're absolutely winning for me because mm. that's all it really needs. You know yep. what I mean? In any style, in anything. Yep. Really. Yep. Good answer, Bobby. Yeah, I mean that's the answer. I mean, right. really, uh, you, want, you want people who... Are, for me, uh, if I enjoy a gig, it's because the drummer is good. If the drummer is bad, is it possible to enjoy the gig? Nope. I don't think it is. The, I don't think I've ever enjoyed a gig where, where I've played with a bad drummer. And it makes you play bad, so then that reflects badly on you to the rest of the band. Mm. Um, it really is... I mean, for me, uh, for me, yeah, if, if the drummer's good and if the guitarist has a good sound, I will probably enjoy the gig. I love playing all kinds of music, so it's not to do with the, the music that I'm playing. It all comes down to the drummer that I'm playing with and, uh, and you know, the sounds around me, the son- people playing in their sonic space. If, uh, if the guitarist has their bass knob all the way up, I'm going to not enjoy that because they're taking up sonic space that belongs to the bass drum and to the toms and to the bass guitar. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like a... Drummers are, are essential to bass players. Mm. We, are, we exist in a very synergistic, a, a synergistic and symbiotic relationship. Mm. Um, yeah. But it, it's, and it's, it's a genre-appropriate thing. Like, obviously, if you're playing a, 
a style of music that is historically, you know, come from Africa, like a groove-based thing, and you've got a, a groove drummer uh, and they have a nice deep pocket, that is what you want. Whereas I did a, I did a tour last year with uh, Andrew Stockdale from Wolf Mother and the drummer was Brett Wolfie from Melbourne and he plays exactly like Keith Richards and Ringo Starr put together. So it's obviously not, not like pocket playing but it was magic to play with. And so it's just, you know, playing genre uh, appropriately. Mm, awesome. You pretty much summed it up for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I just agree with the, the last two comments. Um, for me, uh, what's really critical is just a, a drummer that's got, that just keeps perfect time. That's all. No fancy overheads. I don't like fancy overheads. It just messes with the groove. Right. You can. There's a time and a place for that. And when that happens, it's magical. It's not my call. It's their call. But when that happens, you can tell the drummer's been listening to the song and he's colouring it while he's while we're because at the end of the day we're just all team players. Yeah. We're backing whoever's out the front, and that's 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 the most important thing. We'll get our we'll get our chance to shine, but at that stage, we're still team players. We're like you know we're the hot shot bloody team around town. You know, bass, drums, guitar, whatever. You get a good combination of those players and and keys for that matter, and everyone's kind of listening and they're all aware of what tune yeah. you're doing. You know, you're in that moment, and every song you try and create magic. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It really doesn't matter. You know, but um, <clears throat> there's only a handful of drummers. Um, I mean, wow, this is how far I'll go out. There's only a handful of drummers <laughs> that have got that They're all sitting back. They're all sitting back now going, yeah. is that me? And you get a yeah. text message, Vic, hey, Vic, <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that me, bro? There's only a handful of drummers out there. There's about 20 of them, actually. No. <laughs> safe, safe. <clears throat> no, that just, uh, just appreciate that, you know. It's, um, I mean, how many times have you been told where... Like you do, you do gigs with so many drummers in the world. You know, I, I travel around the world and play with drummers from other countries and all that. And people just come up and said, "Man, you guys sound good together." Mm. But I believe it's the drummer's response, the bass player's responsibility of making the drummer sound good. Thank you, sir. It's, al- it's always like that. It's always the case. You know, it's like it's it's not hard work. It's 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 magic sometimes. But that comes with a really good combination of the drummer being aware and me coming to the gig and offering my part and not like doing anything more than no fancy overheads, just play the basic song. Mm. And when there's a moment to shine, yeah, you, you can do it. But um, yeah, it's just, that's just, that's, the, that's our job, you know, mm. unless I'm a virtuoso and then, you know, it's just like, okay, I'll get a trio together and I'll just be playing solos all night and all mm. that sort of, that, that doesn't interest me at all, you know. I can do that in one song, you know. Just give me eight bars, you know. I'll shine. And that eight bars will explain my whole life <laughs> to a point, you know what I mean? Right. It doesn't have to be a whole night of, okay, here's a solo thing, well, whatever, you know. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, that's all I look for in a drummer. Right. Just And good timekeeper because yep. soon as you, soon as you notice a bass player starting doing, doing this, it's like, uh-oh, something's wrong there. It's like he wants the tempo right there, you know. And if right. the drummer's off on another tangent, it's like, no, man, it's there. It's, but the thing is not to make the drummer look like... You, you can't sort of give too much of an obvious 
yeah. um, body language because it'll look like to the punters, whoa, something's not happening here. It's like he's struggling with the drama. So it's got to be kind of like light, you know, just that kind of, just a nice little subtle movement. And then the drummer will get it. But if he doesn't get it, it's like, forget it. Just don't bother trying to get that tempo happening. Just play the song till the end and then hope that the next song yeah, will be right. an improvement. Right. So I've had to deal with that in my life, you know. Mm. Um, we all have, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's not fun, you know. It's, um, I'm just thinking about drummers that I've played with lately and just, uh, yeah, it's been great. (laughs) (laughs) Name names, name names. But, you know, for me the most frustrating thing is just time, man. Yeah. You know, if if somebody's going to, the lead, whoever's out the front who's going to call the tempo, that's the tempo. It's not the drummer's tempo. It's that tempo. If it's a he or she and she goes, a one, a two, one, two, three, five, ding, 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 well, first of all, you feel like saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. But you can't, you know. It's just like you're stuck with the drummer, so you're being blamed because mm. you two will come together. You're the engine room, you know. Mm. Just things like that. Yeah. Know? Sorry, Domino. I played a gig last night with a band that I haven't played with before and most of the time the singer-guitarist was, was counting off the songs and then I would start with him and every time the bass player would turn around and go... Yeah. So Pick every song kind of start. It did this, you know, and yeah. kind of. It's the same. People are looking, and are they, are they looking at me now? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> did I start it too slow? <laughs> and like, because the bass player's in there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just, you know. So yeah, one of it's those frustrating. situations. It's very, yeah, very yeah. frustrating. Mm. And it's it's well, did the bass player come with the singer? Like, was was he a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that could be a, a little bit different. Yeah. MD kind of vibe. I think it was. Where he, you know, he thought it maybe should be up. Mm. Oh, you get those situations. You know, my wife, Jo, jo Elms, she's got really good time, man. Mm. She's got perfect timing. Whenever she does solo gigs and such, like she does a club show or something, she counts in all the songs. Oh, okay. And she just relies on the drummer. And, you know, when sometimes the drummers are just too concerned with the head buried deep in the chart. Yeah, they're just worried about playing the correct thing and they totally lose all concept of the time and poor old Joe's just struggling. It's like, pick it up, pick it up, you know. Mm. It's like, uh, she had to do that last week. I, I won't name right. the drum, but just okay. actually went around to the podium and he says, pick it up. <laughs> the guy just, his head just popped out of the charts and went, oh, oh, you know, it's uh. like, you know. Forget about trying to read the perfect chart. Just get the feel and then find yeah. your way, you know. It's yeah. like it's, it's what the performer wants, you know. Mm. Give it to them, you know. Not be like, I'm correct mm. or whatever, you know. Mm. Are you listening out there? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Um, I, can, I can relate to, um, to drummers um, because I consider myself to be a drummer myself and the struggle of keeping time. The struggle of planning time is a big struggle if you haven't got the experience of playing time. Meaning, um, I've recently, or in a, in a while, I've been practicing practicing to click with drums. 
I turn off the click. When I've turned off the click and gone do a gig, I've, I'm, I'm playing drums tonight with Errol, with, with the Caribbean soul. So it's reggae. I, I cannot chop out on that. There's no room for chopping. It's reggae. There's no room for putting a gospel chop in there. You can't do that. I have to respect the style of music. So, and, and the touch where your accent's going to be on your right hand, you put the hi-hat on the end. And uh, maybe you don't feel like putting the, ac- the, the accent on the hi-hat on the end. Maybe the accent should be uh, in between the 16th note of the end. You open the hi-hat and close it real quick. That's some tough shit. Yeah. And that's your open. And you... So what, what I'm saying is that um, because I've been that guy that I love the drums, I want to play the drums, you know. Um, and when you, when you practice with the click and you start to fine-tune everything, it feels beautiful, man. It's such a beautiful feeling to, to, to actually sit and just play and feel comfortable and you don't have to hit hard you don't have to bash the drum to get a nice sound or the snare drum the kick I've, I've learned to not dig in the foot into the kick drum but release the so it it, it makes boom you know a big tone all that stuff plays with it how you sit the way you're sitting if the hi-hat has moved going to mark you up. If you got the wrong sticks for the gig, it's going to mark you up. So it all comes to experience how you angle the snare drum. All that stuff is going to do something to you. But you get guys like the, a professional who have done a, you know, gigs all their lives. They got the, all that sorted. Yeah. You know. So I can speak for a guy like me who is new at being a drummer and getting out there doing gigs. It's it's hard. and it's and But I the 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 thing that I keep in mind the most is if it's for instance if it's a, a reggae thing to stay as solid as possible with air space and because I'm a bass player I know that the bass player is following me so I <laughs> you get what I'm saying mm. the drum is the most important instrument. In, in, in a lot of music, man, the drum is the most important instrument. We, I mean, we, the bass player, we got to make everyone feel good. But the drum, if the drum is no good, man, it's like, it's, it's heartbreaking because that's the, that's the whole, your whole reason for being at the gig is so it feels good. It's got to feel good. So I'm, I've, we've all been blessed to play with the best drummers in the world, all of us, you know. I, I had a, a, a seven-minute play with Dave Weckle, you know, and the sound, the sound that he makes on stage, it's amazing. It sounds glorious the way he plays, you know, and that same sound comes from all the great drummers. Like, for instance, I'm going to name names. Uh, I play all the time with Buddy Ziola. He's, he's, he's like a hero of everybody, of all drummers, right? Even great drummers that have incredible chops. They all love him because he's, he's an amazing drum. He says everything that, everything that is meant to be said on a drum, he says it on a kick, snare and hi-hat. Yeah. And that's incredible, yeah. you know? He's amazing, you know, doing that. 
And then you got the other side of the spectrum. You got a guy like um, Tonio Marquez. Oh, He's Tonio. The guy is ri- ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's just ridiculous. You know, he hits so hard. He hits hard, His man. His drums get whoa, whoa, dude. He's, he's a powerhouse. Mm. He's a powerhouse. And, mm. and we're very fortunate to have guys like that here, you know. Uh, and we've got great, great drummers. And the, the drummer that asked that question, uh, that's Dave Goodman. Yeah. Dave Goodman's another amazing drummer. Yeah. You know, we've all played with Dave Goodman. He's, he's an amazing, amazing musician. He's got an incredible, beautiful, gentle, precise um, uh Touch about Touch. about his and he sounds he's very watery. I don't know how to exp, exp, mm. Pull, mm. I don't know how to explain music into words, man. It's it's you know, but that's what we were looking. Adam covered it. You know, we're all looking for that. We're looking for great timing, uh, nice touch. You know, play and be honest with the music and don't try and shine. Don't try and be this show off. Mm. We don't want to play with that. You know, we n- none of us like that. We we want to play with the guy that place for the music, mm. you know, really, really and it's there, mm. honestly playing, mm. you know. That's what we want. I'm going to hand it over awesome. to the maestro. <laughs> to the maestro. <laughs> maestro, God. <laughs> well, um, how do I follow all that? God. Yeah. Um, all the great answers. Um, God. <laughs> your lips. Um, what, I look, what do I look for a drummer? I like playing with drummers that where I don't have to think about the time. I don't have to think about, you know, is it grooving? It just is, you know. Um, and there are certain guys that, that I encounter on gigs and I've done a lot of playing. I just know it's going to be a good night because there's some kind of connection that I have with them. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is, an X factor or something like that, but there are certain drummers I just like playing with, you know. And, and I... And I, I, for me, I can't intellectualise that, that sort of stuff. To me, it's all about a feeling. You know, there are just some guys that kind of get it. You know, they have all that stuff that you, the guys, my esteemed colleagues have said before about the, the touch and the time and all that sort of stuff. But for me, you know, I don't think about playing ahead or behind or on the click, you know. The song kind of dictates that I, to, to my way of thinking. I know it's probably simplistic, but that's how I think. And... The drummers I really enjoy playing with, they just, they, they, as I said, I don't have to think about all that sort of stuff. The songs just play themselves. I'm having a great time. They're having a great time. And people are dancing. I like my drummers, I like drummers who are funky, mm. you know, and I reckon there's an element of funk in all music. Yeah. You know, that's the one, you know, when, when the music's really moving you, there's, it, I call it funky. Mm. You, you guys might call it something completely different but I look for I, I, I really like playing with funky drummers you know and that could be like jazz it could be like rock it could be you know funk Latin whatever mm. um, yeah I just like playing with people that make me feel good you know and there yeah, are cool. you know and I'm being lucky that I've, I get to play with you know maybe six or seven eight drummers that that, that kind of do that for me mm. you know that, if that, I think that's gone off one hand he's got two hands wow hey. <laughs> I said 20 <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I'll, I will I'll name names but I'll name I'll name in, international guys you know because mm. I mean you know you, you think about Steve Gadd you know everyone loves playing with Steve Gadd everyone you know um, Jeff Beccaro you know, everyone loves playing with Jeff. You know, I mean, these these two guys are revered in the drumming world by all by people like Dave Weckl and, and you know whoever. Mm. You know, Vinnie Collier, all those guys revere 
these two guys and what is it about those two guys? Yeah. They can they just make it feel good. They make the music feel good. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's where I'm coming from. It's not a technical thing. Yeah. I don't think you can actually even learn it to be mm. quite honest. Yeah. I think it's just some people have just got that X factor, yeah. you know. Um That's pretty much it. Awesome. It's a spiritual thing. Yeah. I've got yeah. a Bukaro story. Have you? you? To hear it? Hang on, what's it? Bo- Bobby, how are you for time? Oh, yeah, it's 10, ten, minutes. ten, ten minutes. 10 minutes, cool. Oh, well, maybe move on to the next question. Worst fuck-up on a gig? Oh. <laughs> really? Oh. Really. Um, the worst. What, like physical or musical or...? <laughs> Whatever. Oh. The one that's made you go... Did oh. <laughs> you want to just go and bury oh. yourself? Yeah, <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> I'll come and get my gear tomorrow. <laughs> there's actually there's actually a few times that you know, like you've made I've done the, the boo-boo where I've like gone, oh wow, that was like you know, the the start the song Fred out, you know, like in the you know, semi tone <laughs> out, it's gone gone in hell for leather and it's like everyone's looking at you like what key are you in? And yeah, like, oh, man. H- how long's it taken you? Oh, no, it doesn't take too long, but it's like, you know, it's a total moment and it's, it's, a, it's a train wreck, you know, like yeah. you've done it. You've, and it's like, okay, and then go back down and, you know, like sometimes they've started and, you know, no one else done that? Okay, sweet. No, <laughs> no never. I think I, I just, you know, I've just sort of attacked it with so much gusto yeah. and been like a... Just, mm. just a little bit. And you had the face. Just a little too. bit you to the, the left, too, you know. Eh? You had the face. Oh, oh. man, you know, you got to face your things. And then there's, mm. there's fuck-ups that can't be talked about, man. No, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. Oh, you're amongst friends. It's yeah, only, yeah, it's yeah, only yeah. us here. Yeah, I don't know what you're listening, you're listening to, how many <laughs> listeners you've got now, but, uh, yeah, you know, there's, you know, anyway. Next. Well... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Obviously, I've uh, I learned very early on that in order to learn the tune, you have to learn note for note, and like, and then look at some cover versions and some live versions. And unless I've done that, I haven't learned the song because I'm I, I'm not a charts guy at all. I'm definitely a a, a learn it guy. Uh, so yes, early on when I, I didn't learn a song properly, obviously there were some there were some bad ones. Uh, yeah, like where I just hadn't learned the material properly, and then I. Got an appropriate email, usually from a drummer, actually saying that wasn't that wasn't good enough, and I was like, "Yep, good." And I actually, I actually really, I I'm a guy who really enjoys uh, feedback, even if it's negative, because it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to, uh, you know, yeah. Luckily, I haven't had a few of those in several years, but you know, yeah. I, I mean, one, the only the only the immediate cock up which comes to mind though on a gig was. Uh, I was on a Dami show and I was usually played this song on an upright bass. Um, and for so, it was a Perth gig so that we had to do it on electric. And for some reason I thought that the song started on E flat but it actually started in E. So, and it was, you know, a big note where there's literally just her singing on piano and, 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 there's, a big, and there's a big E and I played an E flat. And Dami has no <laughs> poker face <laughs> and so she just goes... Like there's the immediate like twist twist of like what are you doing sort of yeah it was it was very bad. <laughs> Something just came back came to mind. I did you know there's these Bowie shows that happen in town with uh, Duffo and uh, yeah yeah because Jess Jess Jumper plays on that doesn't he? 
Uh, Yeah, Yeah. the the times I've played has Mm. been somebody else. Okay. But uh, in my early days of learning the show, it's like there was one one big hit and it was like you go to the four chord like and then you finish at the four chord. And I just went in hard and I played the first chord. (laughs) 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 And I think I remember Jake Houston turning around going, no, I went too late. (laughs) And I think it was at the Enmore Theatre, you know, like full house. And I just thought, oh, yeah, I know this chord. Four, four. (laughs) One, no, four. (laughs) Sensational. the other ones are like you, like see me turn out. <laughs> you know, what's one fret between fret? You know, do, 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 do. Oh, shit, what's going on, you know? Um, getting back to a Marsha uh, gig we did, we were in, in Perth and um, Perth's got a, a lot of little satellite towns that just keep popping up everywhere and they all end up with the name Loop, you know, Jinder Loop, Younger Loop, <laughs> what the hoop. And anyway, we went to the opening of this this new town. It kind of, for me, it sense I felt like it was like a spy town because everything was neat and model. And you know, you had the the set up the council there with the mayor, and he had his flowers on. And there was, we did the special concert for this throw together city council. You know, not a soul inside, just this brand new town. So we're doing this song, and um, <laughs> this is, this is not so much a fuck up with me. It's a, it's a fuck up with your brain. It's when. <laughs> You've got someone that's leading, and uh, I won't mention names, but our keyboard player forgot to turn the transpose button off from the previous song. <laughs> so we're doing a ballad, you know, it's uh, Marsha's, um, what's that song? Go on, girl. Uh, Go on, girl. Anyway, she oh. does a colavoce thing in the beginning with just piano. No, no, but we, we come in with leading me on. So it's a D back to A. So he's doing this intro thing, and I'm, we already, oh yeah, this, we know this song, we've done it a thousand times, it's this intro, blah, blah, and here we go. Do, 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 do. It's like two tones. It's like, oh man, talk about a mind fuck, you know. I know if that's ever, I mean, you've mentioned that before, and it's like, what key am I in? We're, we're, you know, we're all looking around, and I'm looking at the Fed. Yes, it's, it's on the D. Yeah, yeah, it's D, and John's playing the D, and we're going, and, What's going on? So and so is playing E flat. I look down at the VIP party there. They're, they're in the front. They're watching us, and they're all going. They're doing this. They're going. <laughs> as, as we're trying to sort out our brains, you know, and we did the whole song like that, battling, just battling, trying to cross, get, let's settle on one tone. What's the tone? What is it? Is it E flat or is it, no, is it B flat or A? It's like, oh, oh. Boy, that song just finished as soon as we could. It was just yeah. like, painful. You know. yeah. Transpose buttons, hey? Oh, Boy. That's a good one. I want to. Well, I did one last night. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> fresh. <laughs> Got a freshie. <laughs> I, did, I did a semitone out last night. It's, it was meant to be an A and I played, I think, an A flat. But the reason why I played an A flat is because I was experimenting with my bass. I've got a very, I, I took this thing. It's like got a very, very long neck and I tuned it down to C. So the whole bass is tuned down to C. Wow. So my A on the E string is my D flat for everybody else. 
So instead, I played a uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I played an A flat. So that was and, and Buddy turns around, and looks at me like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> he didn't say it, but he was he was just looking at me, and everybody's looking at him, going, "Oh shit!" You know, I got another one. That's that's a bad one. That was last night. Fresh, 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 fresh. I'll go back another a few years ago when I used to smoke weed at gigs. Uh, a few years ago, and I I, ha- I stopped smoking weed at gigs for a long time. I stopped smoking because I didn't want to do it anymore. And the band leader goes, "Come on, let's go. Have come, come on, Domino. Come on. All right, let's go." And this was an Afro-Cuban gig where you got charts in front of you and you got a billion hits and rhythms and blah, 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 complicated shit. And I had a smoke and that second set became a, 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 tr- a trip and it was just horrible. <laughs> anyway, that was a disaster and it was just disgusting and I promised never to smoke at a gig ever yeah, again. Right. I haven't done it ever since. Right. But then I now got the beauty. This is a beauty. Years ago, this years ago, I got drunk and I smoked. And I had two gigs that night. At the gig, I could not finish that set. I got outside, a bass player that was in the crowd hanging out, he jumped in and did the gig for me on my bass and my amp. And the second gig, he had to go and do that second gig. I actually stayed in the car park. That was the biggest fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's massive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you you learn from being young and stupid. (laughs) You learn. Yeah. I'm sure the maestro hasn't got a story that bad. Did you get did you still get played though? No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been robbery. Yeah. Um, look, I've made plenty of mistakes on gigs, you know. Um, we've all done it, you know. But I'll tell you what I, what uh, happened to me recently was um, I seem to be in situations now where people don't want to rehearse. Like, you know, it's like they, I get booked for a gig, I write out the charts and then it's just like you just do the gig cold, you know, like just, you know. But what happens sometimes is they don't tell me that, you know, like I'm, I'm checking out the YouTube clip or the audio, you know, the MP3 or whatever and I'm writing out the chart or whatever. But they don't tell me that they've changed the arrangement, you know. You don't know until you're actually yeah. sort of like you're playing the song and then you're going, to the, you're going to the bridge and then they're going back to a verse or something like that. I mean, there's nowhere to run or hide, you know, when that happens. It's just like you just kind of like, you know, it's yeah. like your mind's kind of like porridge what's happening, you know, and it's all looking around and, you know, and then they're saying, no, no, we've changed it. Oh, thanks, you know, and it's like, you know. So it's, you know, but like Vic said, it's like it's just, it's just you just got to, you live in the moment. How about the old trick where you just slide the neck? That's right. Spot on. A couple of seconds to sort of get your thing together. And then you start waving your hand around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you just dis- distract. Yeah. You know, while you're figuring out, are we going to the bridge or the, you know. But I do, have a, I do have a tip for young bass players out there listening. If you kind of like make a mistake, don't kind of make it look obvious on your face that no, you make no, a mistake. No. Just look at your amp. Just turn yeah. around and just go and just like reach for the volume. Yeah. And, so, and people go, what the hell? <laughs> oh, it couldn't have been the bass because yeah. yeah. he's just fixing up his amp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just turning oh, himself up or whatever. You know, so you want to, yeah, so you, you don't, don't want to give the game away by yeah. just like going <gasps> like that, yeah. you know, on well, the just, expression. Just on that, as a drummer, as a drummer, for me, if I make a mistake, I always look at my bass drum pedal. <laughs> Yeah. It's always my bass drum pedal, like this. Like I'm letting people yeah. know that the spring like, got 
a tad slighter. It's good because everyone gets sympathetic <laughs> for you, and it's not like yeah. uh, you. It's like, oh yeah, man. Oh yeah, yeah okay, oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, gear, but know? that trick there—that's a guitar player's trick. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. it's oh. like no. They don't know their shit. <laughs> It'd be worse if the guitar player and the bass player both turned yeah. around at the same time. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, what's going on here, man? Well, the drummer gets up and goes towards the amp as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to go to the bridge. Nobody told me. I'm just fixing his amp. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Now, Bobby, you have to shit off for a gig now, don't yeah. you? Um, Bobby, thanks so much for being part of us today. And, um, Thank you. It was nice to meet you and a pleasure to have you here. Lovely to be in the company of such amazing bass players. Awesome. Enjoy your gig, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, Thank you sweet as. All right, we're back. And then there were four. Okay, we talked a bit about what you want in a, in a drummer. Now let's talk a little bit about keyboard players and guitarists. Mm. Um, you, Adam, mentioned something about the keyboard players. <laughs> left hand. Left hand, Okay. So let's talk a little bit yeah, about left, that. The left hand is very dangerous on a keyboard if you've got a bass player. Like mm-hmm. it's my least favourite thing if somebody's sort of just stomping around down there. Uh, I think Bob was it Bobby that was talking about the you know guitarists have too much bottom end on their guitars because it gets in the way. Well, like yeah. you know, you have a, it's not that's not even the same kind of register if you yeah you know, someone's stomping around and playing there. It's kind of a low mid. Yeah, yeah. They're full, but they're playing their full chords and they're actually playing in our register. Yep. Unless what they're playing is exactly what we're playing. Yep. Which is super 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 rare. They should not be doing it. Mm. Pretty much. So is know. that a conversation you have with them? Uh-huh. When you know they're doing it, hey, hey, bro. Um, uh, or do they go? Why don't you, you say just conversation? Why don't you just play up? Why don't you just play up, Adam? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should go. I should go higher. Yeah, right? I'm down yeah. here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, I've definitely. I think I, when they're younger players and they're kind of like, they're not kind of um, aware. Well, they're not aware, and they and they they seem kind of cool, and they're kind of looking at you like, we doing all right? And I'm like. Don't play with your left hand. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. Be, I, I'm, be, I'm actually more like be careful with your left hand because right. it really does wreck the gig for yep. me. Okay. And, you know, like I'm not saying don't play but like there's just there's a whole register that's just that's that's what we got and that's all we got. So we make our best down there um, and I think they just need to be careful. Like you can put do things texturally down there, here and there and be, be just be cautious with it like, you mm. know, and, and but stay a little bit. Towards mm. the middle, you know, because you've got a bass player and you don't need it. If you, if it's a, if a solo piano or you're, you, there is no bass, go for your life. Mm. But when you've got a bass, you've got to be careful. Mm. Anyway. That, yeah, good point. <clears throat> uh, there, there's some good players out there that are um, so experienced, like solo solo pianists are always using their left hand, so they're so they've yes. got that heavy yes. left. Yep, um, and they tend to forget when they come into a, an ensemble. They're still doing that same approach, and you just got to just go up to them and just subtly just say, "Oh, you know, just be aware I'm doing the left." I'd say, "Oh yeah, yeah." And a lot of them would actually apologise and sort of stick around the the middle register. Um, there have been times where I've played with some of the best. The best piano players are the ones that just cover the whole keyboard range, and that could be a good thing and could be a bad thing. It's a bad thing in an ensemble because sometimes when they're playing the bass lines. I actually just stop playing. Yeah, right. I just have to wait for them to hear what's missing. Yeah, I just I do. I, I physically put my hands up like I'm <laughs> surrendering. 
And this might go for a might go for a few bars, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, like, and I went, and I just just, just give the nod, you know, I just like, you know, I got a job back, you know what I mean? Um, Surrender. And there's uh, other times where um, you've got these. I'd imagine, like, someone say, for instance, I'm pulling a name out, like Greg Fillingaines, who is totally, totally professional, you know, utmost professional person, who I've seen, actually, I've seen him play with just middle, right, and nothing else. Because mm-hmm. he's aware that there's a bloody good bass player that's in the, in the ensemble that's doing that. And you've got, play, there's some players like that in Sydney that, that sort of have that approach, you know. But it's, it, yeah, it's just... Just, just be aware, you know, we're playing the left hand. We are the left hand. Mm. There are players in Sydney, I won't name names, who actually go out and do gigs and play the left hand and do us out of a gig, which it's, sometimes it's kind of what, works. Li- it. What, literally? Yeah, because, right. you know, budget constraints first and foremost, oh, okay. budget. Um, but I've heard really wicked stories where they're actually gone out got paid for a keyboard player and got paid for a bassist. No. Oh. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just as I said that. <laughs> and for me, I mean, for, I only just heard the story last night. And I went, really? Mm. It's like, whoa. You know, that's double dipping right there, man. Mm. And the other thing that, too, I can't understand is when you've got guitar players who are actually doing bass gigs. Okay. <clears throat> I'm a bit sort of uncomfortable with that. I mean, good, good on him for getting the, the bass gig, but, you know, it's like, is that is because that times are tough or quiet? So it's like, yeah, I can play bass as well, you know. It's like, okay, man, you got the gig, you know, without any consideration for the other bass players out there. Mm. You know, you could at least ask them, you know, mm. or stuff like that. I don't know whether that's a mateship thing or whatever, mm. but I just kind of find it like, oh, it doesn't sit well with me, with guitar players doing bass gigs, you know. Mm. Unless it's desperate and they can't get... I mean, I've heard the excuse where, like, oh, man, all the good bass players, are they're all gigging, so, you know, I'll do the gig. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, how far does that go, actually, in, yeah. in, in honest terms? How many of they actually Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's just an assumption. Yeah. Yep, yep. Left hand on the keyboard. Left hand, yep. Left hand on the keyboard. Root notes on a guitar. The fifth on a guitar. That's already, that's too much because you've got A string, E string, anything up to whatever, an E, even an E on the E string, right? On the A, sorry, an E on the A string. It's got so much bottom end. Uh, those harmonics clash. So, I mean, it, it can work if, the, if it's EQ'd out or the keyboard mm. amplifier is put on a stand or the guitar amplifier is put on a stand. Right. Then maybe that can work because then we got at least we got the the, the biggest note that the fattest sounding <coughs> notes. Um, depends. Uh, depends. I I don't. You know, it's it's not nice. <laughs> only only a few people know how to talk to a bass player. Mm. Well, you know, um, for instance, um, guys that I play with regularly, like uh, Daryl Beaton, for instance, and my brother Phoenix. You know, they 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 know how to they know how to uh, hang with the bass player because they will do things like they will play a chord and they'll do a little a little thing right. or put the chord 
just little little yummy things. They're yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. yummy, you know, yummy yeah. things, and they complement the your baseline, but they never get in the way. And and um, I think it takes really really good timing for a keyboard player to really match the bass player's baseline, like you know when the doubling up. Mm. Some songs are nice. They have a really full chord, you know. So you hear it and they got the full, the root note. You hear the root note in the chord and bang, and it's fat, you know. It's beautiful. But not all the time. Mm. A lot of the time you can, uh, because it's it's harmony, you can you can outline a chord with, you know, one note. You can outline the, the sound of a chord, you know. Because we're bass players, we can, that's what we do. We, we uh, the keyboard player gives us a, uh, uh, a color, and 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 going from the major scale, you know, every every uh, semitone gives us a different uh, chord, you know. So if we, we're masters at doing that, because that's what that's that's what we got to play with, you know. We we don't go there and play, give you a chord up here in the higher octave, you know, and try and be tricky and all that stuff. We can all do that, but it's that's not what we do. We muck around with harmony. In the lower register, that's that's our that's our thing, and it, the bass is magical in that. That's where we shine. That's where we truly, when we play well, is when we got given the room. Otherwise, I become your octave pedal, and I don't want to be yeah. your octave pedal, man. Yeah. Like you know, I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, don't make me do that because you're gonna get an octave pedal. You're basically just, if 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 that's all the room you're giving me, you're just gonna make me be uh, an extra harmonic for the kick drum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a, a, another frequency for the kick drum. Basically, that's what I become. And I've we've all done gigs where we've, we've been that, you know. And it's a good learning experience to doing that. But yeah, um, uh, let's say for instance, when you hear a, a recording like um, uh, "One Up, One Down," I think it's called from. Uh, um, oh gosh, now now completely mind blank. <laughs> one up, one down with McCoy Turner on piano. He plays all the and all you know, dissonant, dissonant harmony, all that stuff. And the bass player is walking, is walking, but it's not clashing because um, the, he, that that bass sound is such a definite upright bass sound. Mm-hmm. And the piano, the natural piano hasn't got, the natural piano doesn't sound like the DI piano that we get on uh, keyboards. Mm. The, the the DI keyboard piano is so low. You know, it's got so much low, per, perfect, perfect uh, frequency. Mm. Where the bass hasn't got perfect frequency. The bass has got all these. Uh, you play one note, but that one note will resonate with the fifth of the harmony and the octave of that note, and you get all this. Harmonics, yeah. yeah, all these harmonics, and it's just. I mean, how to select the right bass as well, you know, for the gig, and it comes to all those things, you know. But uh, yeah, I've had many chats with uh, musicians <laughs> that I've played with. Biggest problem is to get uh, a piano player, guitarist, and drummer, the whole ensemble, to back you up in a solo. Mm. That's the biggest trouble I find. Because they can kind of work out, oh, how many years he's got that covered, cool. But backing you up in the solo, that's, 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 that's a, that takes a lot of uh, practice, I think, you know. Uh, that's very hard to do. I'm going to pass it over now to the maestro. <laughs> Oh, that's me, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I don't encounter too many professional guitarists or keyboard players that sort of get in the way. 
you know, of what I'm doing. You know, they all seem to know, you know, the, what area they've got to play in and that I'm around and, and all that sort of stuff. I think mostly that sort of stuff that we're talking about, or in my experience anyway, comes more from students, you know, when these beginning ensembles, you know, like this, you know, when you've got these these guys and girls that are kind of learning and, and they're kind of like, you know, reading a chart and they're playing their root position chords and all that, but they're not really hearing what's around them, you know. And I suppose my job was to basically say, hey, listen, you know, um, you're kind of getting in the way of this. And uh, one of my pet hates was actually having two guitar players play exactly the same thing, you know, in an ensemble. I used to kind of like go, no, 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 we've already got – he's already playing the, the, the bar chords and that. Why don't you kind of play some, you know, 16th note kind of funky lines or, or you know, something different try to be different, you know, but also complement each other as well. You know, think about the music, you know, what, what, what's your role in the music, you know. Um, okay, you're a harmonic instrument, you know, but don't do what he's doing or her, what she's doing, you know, do something a little differently to kind of come up with parts to make the song work, you know. So I think that was, that was uh, that's might be my experience. But, you know, with the professional um, musos, you, I, I don't keep, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm fortunate enough to work with a lot of, really good players that kind of just understand their role in the music, you know. Um, I think the, with the whole left-hand thing, I, I think that's more the cocktail guy that's doing a, their first band gig or something yeah. like that and they're just kind of like just, um, don't, yeah. you know, they're just, pl- you know, ploughing ahead and they're not really listening, you know, they're just doing their thing, mm. you know. Mm. And, uh, yeah, a nice sort of like, a, you know, an iPhone to the head or something like that will kind of like, you know. <laughs> Uh, make them aware that they're it's kind such of an art, isn't it? Like yeah, for a solo pianist to come in in, in an ensemble and play, and he has to readjust his whole project. concept. Yeah, because he, he's not aware really the bass plays behind him, so it's right. like yeah. only so much that they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. The other big gripe with piano players to or, or guitar players for that matter is like when okay, you get the odd occasion where you you've been thrown a solo, so everyone stops. It's like. Why? No, no, you know, give saying, me something yeah, right. to solo on, you right. know. Give me some changes. Give me even drums. Drums will stop. It's yeah. like, fuck, where's the time? Yeah. No, it's, a, it's okay. It's a test for you to like, okay, you've got the meter in your head going, whatever, whatever the tempo of the song is. But, it's, man, if, you've, if you just give the soloist some sort of chordal approach or something, that just opens up our mind to like, like oh, there's that sound. I'll, I'll go with this. I'll go here. But if you give me nothing... I've got to think about tempo. I've got to think about the changes. I've got to think about count whether it's sixteen or shall I give myself another sixteen? You know, it's like it's all that. It's it's hard work. Mm. It's like, you know what, fellas, I don't want any solo if you're not going to back <laughs> yeah. me up. That's right. You know, that's Man, all it is. If you're playing the ninth of a chord, it sounds yeah. nice when you've got the chord underneath it because then yeah. you go, oh, that's the sweet note. But if you're on your own, it's like, oh. Okay. And the and the tasteful piano players will actually give you like a teaser. It's like a carrot. They'll just go bring, right. and then you like yeah right bring, <laughs> and it's like wow. Yeah, I love this guy. That, you know what that, I mean? You know that stuff happens a lot in Afro-Cuban music. Yeah, you hear that a lot yeah. because the bass player won't stop playing tumbao. No, he, no, he, no, he, he won't stop. He he wants to break. Yeah. Well, the other thing is too. He wants to break the rhythm. Yeah, you've got to go from rhythm to. You're on your own, pal. That's so right. you do a counter melody, you do half the rhythm like, like, or, or whatever, but you do it, but give me something. Yeah. You know, give me a triad or something. Just go here, go there, go there, nothing. No, no left-hand chords. No. Just no left-hand bass. Just triad, right hand, 
that's enough for me, you yeah. know. Yeah. And if he gives you a rhythm, even better, you know, clang, 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 you know, it's like... You yeah, know, that's right. Something, rather than ring, spraying, spraying, you know, it's like, where we going with this, mate? Yeah, yeah, Come yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and if the drummer's cluey, he'll just sort of go... You know, God, that's where they, they really shine, you know. It's, when they're all colouring, they're helping you colour this big picture... And you're the main boy just for that 16 bars or 8 bars or mm. 32. Mm. But if you're the main boy and it's like, all right, we'll step, you know, we'll just stop, we'll just don there, put our instruments down and watch you go for 16 bars. Good luck. <laughs> That's not music. Yeah. That's torture. The hardest thing is when, they, when uh, the, the rhythm or whoever's backing you up is dictating where you're going. That's that's yeah. really that's really tough. That is a tough call. That's the tough call because you're you're, you're and and you and I find my, sometimes I found myself that I'm pushing my yeah my uh, your meter my meter my yeah. word is this one but you want me to go this way like that's not that's not you know mm. it's so it, yeah it takes a lot of experience I you think know, the, with the right the right kind. the purpose for like a bass solo is. <clears throat> You want to have 100% of your energy in improvising. Mm. You don't want to have 90 or 80% because you got 20% of that just worried about energy, you know. It's As he passes over the... Sorry, the, uh, the mozzies are out. Hang on. <laughs> we have a little mozzie break here. here. This one motherfucker just beat the shit <laughs> <laughs> out of my ankle. Look, he's right on his head. That's full on, man. We've got the air guard going around. Do you want some? No, I'm good, man. No, okay, sweet. I don't like me. Hungry, I never get bitten, man. No, me neither. And you know what? You know, they're females, right? Right. Right. That's most kiddos that bite are females. That's what I heard anyway. I'm just saying. I'm not touching. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. The males don't come and bite. It's the females that bite. Yeah. Like vampires. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Anyway, carry on. Let, yeah, left hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Most difficult band leader you've ever worked with. You don't. You don't have no, no names. You're fishing for names. No, no, no. Seriously, no, no names. Or, or just a situation with a band leader or an artist. Um. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, look, I don't, I'm not going to name names, but, yep. but 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 I, you know, the leader has to lead, you know, and and you know has to give you, you know, an air of confidence and and kind of inspire the best performance from you and be organised and and just know what needs to be done and and you know I've been in situations where the band leaders have not been like that and then it, it kind of suffers, you know what I mean? You can have a, a great band and yet you know, like let's say for example. You know, you're backing somebody and, you, you know, you need someone to kind of conduct, you know. I mean, great players, we, we need to follow. Everyone needs to kind of follow the leader, um, you know, in, in, in sort of dictating the, the time in a Colavache section, for example, you know. And um, if, they're, if they're not confident doing that or they don't know, you know, no clue about the music or whatever like that, then the whole thing just kind of like implodes, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, definitely need someone who's like organised, knows the music. I mean, one of my favourite band leaders um, is John Foreman um, because he's such an incredible musician um, but he's also a great leader, you know. He's able to kind of like 
You know, he's got a team of people that that work with him, you know, whether it's the arrangers or, or the, you know, TV people, whatever. And he seems to be this perfect conduit between the musician and the TV people, you know. And we, ne- we he always would kind of talk to them about us, you know, um, and talk to us about them kind of thing. And, and there, there was never seemed to be a drama. You know? It all seemed to kind of, the whole thing kind of seemed to hum along, you know. Um, but also a monster musician, knew the music, could conduct clearly, you know, knew the music, you know. Um, yeah, just just incredible. I, I really respected him, you know, and he was all sort of like, you know, he'd be taught, he'd be like have the, the, the God mic, you know. Uh, we'd all have cans, you know, this is when we're doing Idol and he'd be talking to us, you know, telling us, okay, in, in this next segment we'll be playing such and such, you know, and, and saying, okay, I'll be counting this, you know, and, uh, you know, here's a click check of this and all that. And then the whole the whole thing became easy. Then all we had to do was just read the notes, you know, and, and, and make music, you know. Um, and to me, that's a that's a, a great leader, a great a great band leader mm. you know, or musical director. Mm. Yeah, cool. Maestro, Dawana. <laughs> Thank you, Maestro. Um, uh, worst worst band leader. I've never had a worst band leader. I don't think I've ever had a a, a bad band leader in any in whatever level musical level it might have been at. Never been a bad band leader. Um, I can tell you good band leaders that I've had um, recent years. I've worked with, um, for instance, in the Afro-Cuban world, for instance. Uh, I've worked with Armando Garcia, who's a, an incredible musician and band leader, vocalist, trumpet player. And um, through him and his leadership and the musicians that play in that band in or his ensembles, Basically, they've, they've put me in line, well in line, because uh, uh, stylistically I might play things, or back then anyway, I would have played things out of line and, um, and I would have gone with the flow of the music that I felt like how it should be. And those things of uh, background and experience and knowledge and understanding that style of music, um, they they reinforced that in me, so I learned a lot through that. Those are the few situations where I've, you know, uh, I never I never go into a situation thinking that I that I'm I'm the shit, you know. I never do that. I I sit there and I take it, even if the person might not be uh, musically knowledgeable as me or or whoever else, but I I don't. You know, I don't tread on that or anything like that because it's 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 what they're hearing. We have to please them. You know what they're hearing. So he's been a great great teacher in that sense because I've never put in anything. I've always been told what to do. You see, and there's a lot of a lot of things happening in that music. So I've learned that in this style of music, I only do this pattern here, and I can put a little fill. One tiny fill right here. And the fill is this. <laughs> it's not the fill that I'm, I'm, I'm going to add a funky little pentatonic line. Nah, 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 nah. None of that stuff. That stuff doesn't fly. So he's been great. Obviously, my father has been great playing with him. He's been very, he's got a different different approach. Very different approach, you know. And uh, playing with all the great 
people that I've played with. You know, mm. they're all they're all great. You know, every every one of them, they've all taught me to be uh, humble about playing the instrument and playing the best to the to the music. Mm. But um, yeah, that's it. Pass it over to the maestro. I should have changed the question. I should have changed the question to who's the best band leader. It's funny because bass players and drummers are so different. I asked the question to the drummers and, man, they, they loved that question. They were throwing people under the bus all over the place. <laughs> no, not, peop- not people. That's no, why no, they're names. All no, 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 names. no names. No names. No names, yeah. but just the stories of the, of, the yeah. ba- of the worst. Whereas you guys, you're very, you're very positive. So no, no, we're not touching yeah. that. But these guys are, good, you know. <laughs> wow, diplomacy. Yeah, so yeah. they did uh, MDs or whatever under the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like yeah, no, nah, th- this guy was bad because he did that. Or this, you know, it was, it's interesting. John Foreman comes to mind first because you're absolutely right. I haven't done much with him. In fact, I've only done one gig, and that was depping for um, Mark on um, Australian Idol. Great experience, man. And you're exactly right. He, he just made me feel comfortable. Well, the whole band, for that matter. I just thought to myself, what an easy gig, you know. Everything's laid out there. Uh, when the actual show came, uh, there was one artist that kind of missed the, the cue somewhere. And straight away, he got on the God mic and he said, looks like get ready looks like he's just missed the verse the the bridge or something we're gonna we might go to letter c so just stand by and he sort of read ahead and sure enough you know it was right there just plain to see rather than where do we go now you know there's just this calm voice while he's playing and he's like Mm. he's missed the cue guys i think we're going to go to letter c you know just stuff like that and it was like so easy man it was like a walk in the park you know that's all I can think of at this stage. Yeah. Oh, sometimes I actually like to MD myself too because mm-hmm. it's, it's that full awareness of what musicians want first. Yep. Um, sometimes you've been tasked to assemble a, a band so you get a whole bunch of musicians, um, you know, that you can trust mm-hmm. and they trust you, you trust them. The other job for being a good MD is actually to make the musicians feel very, very comfortable don't pick on there's, there's no there's no room for picking on faults or anything it's like if they're misreading or they're misinterpreting that's fine you just go and just you just sort of politely say I think this is how we do it and this is how just just try that approach and at the end of the day it's like they all feel important it's all part of the project that they're as important of, of that that whole project as much as you are yep. so I had a recent experience of doing uh, it was just a one-off gig with Boy George, you know, um, that assembled a band together and I just MD'd and we just went out and did a corporate gig and it was the most easiest gig because I just, my job was so easy. I just, I assembled everything together as far as not putting the band together but the band was chosen for me. And they said, can you go out and MD? And I just talked to every individual in the band and just discussed like what the songs were and this is how we're going to do it and blah, blah, blah. And let's just go with the flow. At the end of the day, it's BG and he's the star. He's going to come in. He might demand, he may not demand, but let's just make a good job out of it, you know. Mm. Mm. So you just walked in and he went, fine, band sounds great, you know. Who's the MD? Oh, that dude over there. Oh, I've never seen you before. <laughs> oh, I've never seen you too. 
<clears throat> but, you know, just the thing is, is just to make it as easy as possible yep. for everyone concerned, you know. I think that's the, the secret. And knowing, but knowing the music in you, like um, you're ready to spring to just pick up somebody. If they fall, just pick them up, you know. It's okay, no problems. Just, you know, let's just go with it, you know. Yeah. I think that's a John Foreman trade, that one. <laughs> Adam? Kind of bouncing off what Vic did, um, said before about sort of the complacency um, of some band leaders slash MDs. Like sometimes you, uh, you come across people who um, are maybe right place at the right time or sort of, you know, it's quite often a keyboard player or a guitarist I've found oddly... Uh, not as often the bass player, though I feel like the bass player is generally probably the most solid person. But we have to hit the one of every chord in this. There's no fake in it for us. We would know where everything lays in a song and stuff like that. So I feel like bass players actually make pretty good MDs because we have to hit it hard. Us and the drummers have to kind of mark things for everybody and, and be there. And so I've sort of, as a person that likes to be, to lay it down and nail sections, nail the part, nail the sections, sometimes you're kind of dealing with people that are just kind of faking it a little bit. Like they don't know quite where it's going. They've got a pretty bad way of describing things. It it's really is that communication thing. So like you could maybe be like not such a great musician but if you're a great communicator and you're great at kind of working with what you've got and like say if you've got a really good band or being in situations where you've got like amazing band and the one the one driving the bus is the weakest link and that's awkward it's super awkward to to work with sometimes you know and you just do your best like you know if it's not your if it's not your gig so sometimes an artist wants to feels that they know enough to be their own md but then there's a lot of information missing you know like and Mm. you know maybe you want to be more prepared when you get to the stage you know, sound check or whatever, and they come out and they go, do this and that and the other and blah, 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 and here's a new song that we're, we're going to do tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you're like, like uh, well, uh, okay, it's not quite as easy as that, but okay, because you, you just say yes and you yeah. do what you do, what you can you do what you can do, you know, and like I'm lucky I learn things fast, so I'm pretty sure everyone here can learn things pretty fast, that you'd kind of go, okay, bang, pop the pop the earbuds in and, and learn the song while I'm sitting there at the amp and, you know, everyone's doing the same thing. You know, okay, cool, no worries. And it's like... It, it doesn't really need to be like that. Uh, you know, you might not have as much musical knowledge as the people that you're working with, mm. but you can sort of direct the traffic still by being really solid about the forms, really solid about the where the song's going and the dynamics of a song. Mm. Um, but, like, even then sometimes you find that that's lacking in some some people because they're, they're like, I feel like it's kind of more of a control thing than an actual... Like a musical Music thing, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and it's absolutely. like, okay, you know. And isn't it funny when you you detect it straight away? Yeah. Bass players are very good at that. We've, we can just pick up, we can smell the stink. Yeah. As <laughs> soon as it, as soon as it, there's a little hint of stink, it's like. Oh, yeah. oh, there's no music here. It's more like an ego thing, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, still play the game. 